0: Welcome to Behind Every Employer, where leaders in business and education from across the country share solutions for sourcing, training, and growing frontline talent to create the workforce of tomorrow. This broadcast is brought to you by the Coalition on Adult Basic Education. To learn more, check us out at www.coave.org or any of your favorite podcast sites. Now, here are your hosts, Anson Green and Jeffrey Abramowitz.
1: Hello, Anson. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Jeff. Always great to see you. And um, so looking forward to this episode. We have uh, a dynamic duo today. Uh, and just this is going to be a really great one for uh, the employer community out there. We're going to hear from a giant in the Midwest and the world. Um, and then uh, a really strong. Showing here, and we've had this before on the podcast for a nonprofit literacy provider. You might remember uh, our friends up in Michigan that we had a few uh, episodes ago with the west uh, michigan literacy council what a yeah. great show that was uh, this one is gonna give it a run for its money or best it maybe. i don't know uh <laughs> it's it's gonna be a great great um episode uh we'll get there in a little bit i want to mention a few things to our listeners thank you i would love you to like the episode on your favorite podcast app uh definitely add it to your favorites there um and if you uh Want to find out more about Behind Every Employer, you can go to BehindEveryEmployer.org and subscribe there, or you can subscribe on your, uh, your, your, your favorite app. Uh, Jeff, I wanted to mention something that just came out, uh, and it's very appropriate for this uh, conversation and for this podcast. Um, I have a new publication that just came out called uh uh, beyond the first meeting a beginning guide for cultivating a thriving workplace education program um yeah beyond the first meeting Uh, a lot of times we can get the first meeting but it's getting the second meeting that's the important thing with employers um i put this together um With uh, some great resources and just a lot of my experience over the years, but I really wanted something that was a good, handy guide that um, we could really help our providers turn into places like Lincoln Literacy. You can find this publication. It's free. Uh, It's on the Behind Every Employer website, so BehindEveryEmployer.org, download that thing, and uh, I I think it's got a lot of great little tips in there, and if you've got new tips, you can always send them over to me um, because we can update that thing very easily, but I wanted to bring that up um, because it's been very popular, and uh, I think it's just going to really help us. A lot of times, you know, when we talk to our education community, they are really desiring to work with employers, but they don't know the first steps. They don't uh, know what not to blunder into and how to find the right conversation starters and and how to build things for the next meeting. So kind of want to put those things together. Yeah.
0: So just a few things from my end. One is um, we're getting a lot of requests. So the last show was with Chef Jeff Henderson. It was a great show. And we're getting a lot of calls from uh from people across the country that want to be on the podcast. So if you want to be on the co- podcast, go on to the coab.org website, oh. send us a note on there, and we'd love to talk to you and see what you bring to the table and and get you on the show. So go out there, listen to the show. If you have any suggestions on people that would be great guests, or if you want to be on yourselves, let us know. But for sure, share this out with your friends. Make sure people are listening yeah. and get out there because we are um yeah, we're hot. Things are going really well. I'm really excited about the way the podcasts are going and awesome. wanna, I'm, I'm anxious to get to our guests actually
1: Yeah, I'm thrilled here. Let's bring them on You got it All right. Hey, it's, we got kevin here and brian sec. Let me introduce these folks This is a, a like I said a dynamic duo up there in the midwest lincoln nebraska is where they hail from uh kevin is coming to us from kawasaki motors usa uh yes this is a major employer in lincoln and we're going to hear all about that he's the training administrator there but uh like a lot of our guests and ourselves he's had a uh, a real diverse career. High school teacher, nationally touring stand-up comedian. We'll see if that comes into play tonight. And uh, was an adjunct professor at Dunn University. So uh, I love that background. 20 years, I think, at Kawasaki now. Uh, he leads just a wide variety of training, of course, at a major manufacturer like that. Um, and we want to hear about that. We want to hear a little bit about Kawatech, which is their uh, upskilling advancement program over there at Kawasaki. And uh, he's just been instrumental. Uh, when I first got introduced to Lincoln, Nebraska as anything but a name, it was because of Kawasaki and because of the relationship with Lincoln Literacy and their English language learning programs over there. And that's where Brian Set comes in. And actually, Brian, was working at Kawasaki, and I think that's where I got the introduction from. He has now um, uh, taken his career path over to become the executive director at Lincoln Literacy, uh, which is just going to be, to our listeners, uh, a real great uh, lesson in just best practices for nonprofit Uh, uh, development and expansion. Uh, Brian's got a a, a really great background too. Peace Corps in Kazakhstan, taught English in Washington, D.C. and New York, led a homeless student outreach program in Lincoln Public Schools, talent management at Kawasaki, and now executive director over there at Lincoln Literacy. So we've got some real diverse career paths themselves for our guests. And I just want to uh, welcome them here and uh, begin with some questions. And Brian, I'm going to start with you, uh, and then we'll come over to Kevin. But I'd love to have you guys just talk to our listeners, give a little brief introduction about yourself and what you do over there at Lincoln Literacy. Brian?
2: Sure. So uh, Lincoln Literacy started in 1973 uh, as an organization that was really focused on increasing the literacy of homegrown Americans, uh, people who may uh, didn't finish high school or really struggled with reading and writing. Uh, However, when the Vietnam War ended in 1975, Uh, Lincoln received its first uh, large population of refugees and became what's called a federally designated resettlement community, which means we're good at it. Uh, So now those uh, those those newest neighbors from Vietnam are now in their fourth generation, which is really amazing uh, that the children are. And uh, and so what we have is now Lincoln is a town of 300,000 people, but 10% are foreign born. Uh, wow. And we have people from uh, fifty different countries at Lincoln Literacy. We serve thirteen hundred students in all levels of English acquisition, from the very, very, very basics, teaching the alphabet, to uh, very advanced uh, pronunciation, um, idioms, all kinds of stuff. We offer also offer classes on uh, citizenship, uh, driving, and workplace. And uh, what I'll say about that just briefly uh, is that uh, what we realized as an organization was it's 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 critical to get people English but the key to ending poverty is a job and a job that can grow and the job that people can be successful in and so we've partnered with uh, different businesses Kawasaki being one of them uh, to increase the knowledge of their workers so that they can be promoted and grow into the next job, and then Lincoln Literacy can help backfill those positions as folks are promoted. So it's a really exciting time at Lincoln Literacy. Yeah. We're thrilled to be here.
1: I love that, man. Uh, we're going to hear more about Lincoln Literacy, and uh, I, lo- I, you know, the story uh, reminds me of one uh, from another town that had this uh, really big transformation due to refugees from Vietnam, Stor- uh, Storm Lake, Iowa has a similar story, very small town in the Midwest um, that just went through a massive transformation um, um, and really uh, was something that the city government, and I know your city leaders there, your mayor, are just uh, just complete leaders and uh, servant leaders there in Lincoln. Same was in the Storm Lake with uh, uh, the mayor. The town was losing population. He wanted to really build it so they could grow economic growth and and was a real welcoming city to the Vietnam um, uh, refugees. So I love those stories that go way back now. Um, And uh, that brings us over to another uh, story that goes back in Kawasaki. So I want Kevin uh, to come on here and tell us about Kawasaki and uh, a little bit about you, but uh, really about Kawasaki too and uh, your roots there in Lincoln, please.
3: Well, uh, our plant has been here since 1974. Uh, Kawasaki was the first foreign vehicle manufacturer to set up operations in the United States. So we've been here longer than Toyota, Honda, anybody. Um, We are obviously coming up on our 50th anniversary. Yeah, We are the largest manufacturing facility in the state of Nebraska. Um, We have about 2.5 million square feet under a roof um and we have plenty of room for for expansion uh currently our our consumer products division is uh, building side-by-side vehicles uh utility vehicles atvs we have a rail car division Uh, we build commuter rail cars for uh, metro transit systems Uh, currently we are working on the r211 which is the new uh new york city subway train uh we recently finished uh, a project for washington dc um the state of connecticut long island railroad Uh, we also have an aerospace division here and we build the large cargo doors for the boeing triple seven and triple seven
1: wow wow i heard everything except
3: motorcycles uh, when I, <laughs> I love this story. Yes, this is just well, blowing my mind. It's it's interesting. The the part of the reason we came to the United States was because of motorcycles in right. the early seventies. Uh, Japanese motorcycles started to outsell American ones, mm-hmm. and Harley Davidson didn't like that. Yeah. So they retained the services of a very talented lobbyist who helped get a tariff passed on imported motorcycles with engines 750 cc's and higher. So Kawasaki just thought, well, let's build them in the United States <laughs> and we don't have to pay the tariff. Yeah. So, the exception of the first motorcycle model that was built here, all of the uh, all of the bikes that were built here were 750 on up. Um, wow. So, and, and some famous motorcycles have been built here too. Yeah. Uh, the original Top Gun movie, the Ninja that he writes, yeah. built here. Um, the, uh, if you remember the television show chips, sure. the motorcycles that they rode were Kawasaki's and they were all built here.
1: Oh my gosh. I love this story. This is fantastic. And I, um, it's a it's a great Jeopardy question too because no one would guess that you guys were uh, the first Japanese uh, vehicle manufacturer in the U.S. I mean that is uh, that was something I just recently learned and uh, I just love that story. And in Lincoln, Nebraska, so i want to turn and talk and just ask both of you guys to chime in. You're a longtime residents. Um, something is happening there in the Midwest in Nebraska uh with lincoln going back to the 70s i mean you come in in 74 with kawasaki uh and then uh the refugees a year uh, earlier or later i can't recall but tell us a little bit about the culture the leadership of lincoln what is the recipe that is creating this climate that uh, now has a 10 percent population of foreign-born uh residents which is just astounding
2: anybody brian so lincoln has a really amazing dynamic of nonprofits working together, and uh, believe it or not, great communication between city and state government. So for example, uh, we have what's called the New Americans Task Force here, which is organized by the mayor's office. It's been around since the 90s. Uh, And all of the agencies that serve New Americans, our newest neighbors, get together once a month to make sure that we're not duplicating services to share best practices, build relationships, share contacts, uh, and that's really amazing. Uh, We're on a a path now uh, with our mayor uh, to be what's called a welcoming community, which is a designation uh, that will allow us to um, be more competitive in a lot of grants uh, and really is a testament to our communities working together. And that goes back across Democrat and Republican mayors, um, goes across multiple governorships. Uh, and I think really the the strength of what Lincoln is doing is that we're small enough that we can all work together, but we're big enough as a town of 300,000 to have employers yep. like Kawasaki who are willing to work with us. So I, I really think right. like it comes back to collaboration.
1: Oh, I love that. I love that. Kevin, how about you? Uh, tell us a little bit, you know, e- either as a re- longtime resident or a longtime employer partner there, and uh, the, tell us your perspective on Lincoln. What makes it work for Kawasaki for you?
3: Uh, I, I think a, a lot of what um, a lot of what is happening here is uh, a result of the uh, the colleges and universities in the area. Oh, okay. Um, there's, you know, it's it's a it's a very academic and uh, learning focused community. Uh, we have at, at least, you know. Through Kawasaki, we have uh, started to influence some of the uh, some of the institutions around here, the community colleges, to uh, look at more, uh, you know, stackable credits right. rather than, you know. You got to get an associate's degree. Uh, you know, we have a we have a lot of people who they just want the skills to go and have a good career. Sure. And we we're we're turning the focus to to that. Um, we've also done a fairly good job of turning around that uh, that stigma of manufacturing being uh, something that you settle for. Right.
1: Uh, right. You
3: know, we have a lot of people here that have built stellar careers uh in fact our number two executive here uh doesn't have a college degree um you wow. know he is a graduate of the university of kawasaki yeah and he's the number two guy and you know i would put his knowledge of manufacturing and new manufacturing against anybody on the planet so i i think we have a you know it's it's a a good community. There's a strong work ethic here and, um, it's, you know, we have a lot of the advantages of larger cities, but, right. uh, you know, not all of the problems of larger yeah.
0: cities. I so Anson. Great yeah, Anson, yeah. I'm so curious. The, uh, the one thing that we're seeing here is a relationship between, um, an employer and, uh, educational an educational organization. And, and, um, I think, um, you know, uh, Lincoln Literacy is is jumping in with the employer to kind of create this great relationship. More and more employers across the country uh, are need to follow this model and understand that for them to be really successful with Kevin and Kawasaki, right. they need to know how to read and write. And I'm just curious if you guys could talk a little bit. I know Um, Brian, you were part of Kawasaki before, but what's that relationship look like and what kind of advice would you give to other literacy agencies out there that are looking for the Kawasaki's across the country that they can engage?
2: Definitely. So uh, Lincoln Literacy's history, working with businesses, uh, goes back a long ways. Um, we've taught at our Marriott Hotel for many years and continue to do that uh, to help their um, hospitality staff be able to communicate with guests um, with the same idea of promoting them up to other positions. Um, and then our relationship with Kawasaki uh, has really grown. Um, and what we do uh, is we, if, if we are aware of an employer that employs a significant number of our new Americans, probably because we hear about it from them in class, uh, from our <laughs> students, is we'll, we'll approach them and say, hey, you know, is this something that you're interested in? And what we do uh, just briefly, is that we work with the employer to get an understanding of the vocabulary, safety processes, measurement tools, whatever it is that people are doing every day, and perhaps aren't able to communicate how they do it. People, these are all people who are already working. Uh, and so we're building those skills. But also what we've really built in is helping people understand what benefits are. If you are in Afghanistan, if you're an Afghan refugee, You don't know what an insurance premium is. That's not something that that's something you're going to be familiar with. So we not only provide employment skills, we also talk to people about their benefits. And that's that's a retention device for businesses Uh, because people who are enrolled in benefits, they don't don't change jobs nearly as often. Uh, We talk about 401ks. We talk about all these different things. So by the end of the class, uh, people have an increased understanding of being able to communicate at work and feel confident in that communication, but also are better aware of the benefits and career pathways. Cause we actually have HR people come in to our Lincoln literacy classes and talk about career pathways. And a lot of times people have never heard about it before.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, man, uh, this is just, this this is what I was talking about at the beginning of the show, man. Uh, uh, Just so comprehensive. And I love this kind of holistic, if that's the best word aspect. Um, You know, you mentioned things like benefits and when you look at, Uh, the benefits rates of uh, usage rates of uh, longtime employees, sometimes um, they're sometimes very low. And oftentimes you can correlate that to literacy and language. Uh, They just don't know how to sign up. They don't know how to use it. They don't know what it is because they're from a country that doesn't have such things. Um, I just love that aspect of things and that you guys tackle all of it. Hand in glove with the employer, bringing the employer in because that sends mess. Yeah, it sends a message to everybody, the employer community that. You're just an adjunct arm to their workforce strategies to your peer nonprofit community, saying, "Hey, we can do this too," uh, and of course to your students and say, "Like, hey, this place is all about jobs. This place can help me um, get that advancement or that career growth that I'm looking for, or use my uh, my insurance." I mean, I just love this aspect of things. So, um, great work there. Uh, I want to turn over uh, back to Kevin. And talk about this workforce at Kawasaki. So uh, we've heard on the podcast so far, 10% of the city is diverse from uh, foreign-born, um, not just diverse, but foreign-born individuals. Uh, and then we see the work happening over there at Lincoln Literacy. Talk to us about the diversity within Kawasaki, and then I want to drill into that.
3: Uh, we are probably the most diverse uh, company in in the area yeah um I don't know what the current count of different languages uh, spoken here are is right now but um you know it's it's interesting because we've had uh, students from Burma in the Ell classes yeah but they don't necessarily speak the same language oh yeah there we're a hundred. Uh, Burmese languages. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, uh, in, in the class the you know, English becomes the, the common language between, between everyone. Uh, we have a lot of, uh, Ukrainian people here, a lot of Afghans. We have, uh, people from Iraq. We have, uh, a lot of people from the, the African countries, um, And it's just an amazing, uh, an amazing place.
1: I love that story. And, you know, I know plenty about manufacturing and I know that these are also good jobs for these individuals. So we're talking about individuals that may have no English literacy sometimes no native language literacy, never been to school uh, from some of those countries that you mentioned that have been in war for their whole lives maybe, uh, been through refugee camps, just had very unsteady, if any, education. Uh, They end up in Lincoln and they've got a a great job, good pay, I'm sure, and of course benefits and all those kind of things. So the question I think some of our listeners might have, and I might wanna hear some more about this myself, it's Kawasaki. This has got to be a, a very advanced manufacturing facility. So how, how does the match between the diversity, the language, the skills and the technical automation, uh, various forms of advancement in the factory work? Like, talk to me about that dynamic.
3: Well, we have a program here called Kawatech. And Cowatech begins with five core courses, math, print reading, metrology, computer applications, and business communication. And once somebody uh, completes those five core courses, that makes them eligible to apply for a number of different advancement tracks. They can go into into quality control. They can be uh, programmer operators where they learn how to program and troubleshoot robots and laser right. machines and and things like that. Um, a lot of our new uh, leaders, supervisors, team leaders are a result of the Kawatech program. Uh, we also have a, a tremendous demand for maintenance technicians yeah. because we're constantly investing yeah. in technology. Uh, our you know it, it needs to be serviced and 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 maintained. Uh, Currently, we have eight people at our local community college. Uh, Six of those people are studying uh, electromechanical technology. We have one in HVAC, and then one working on uh, CDL driving. Um, And we are paying tuition, salary, books, and fees while they're there. Um, We do ask them for a three-year commitment when they've graduated and come back right but uh we've had uh, gosh we've had 10 or 12 people uh who we've sent uh to school and they are now maintenance technicians for us uh,
2: which is a highly compensated position that's oh a, yeah that's a highly paid role and and, and, hard, Absolutely. To find. So and hard to
1: find to. and you've got automation so you need automation techs which is even yeah. more advanced yes
3: well, and we we kind of built that into the program, especially for the maintenance technicians, where uh, you know, with with the degree, you know, they can make a, a, a certain level, but we also give them opportunities to uh, advance their their knowledge and skill, uh, so they're really in charge of their own uh, yeah. their own pay rate, and yeah. uh, you know, most of them have have really bought into this and just you know, all have gone up to the top level of, uh, you know, of, of pace scale. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's valuable to us because they, they have such a, you know, a diverse base of, of knowledge and skill. Um, you know, we right. can be confident that whatever technology we bring in, they're going to be able to, uh, be able to handle it.
1: Oh, I love this. I want to I want to ask you one more question. And then, uh, but, you know, I, first off, I'm, I'm hearing just multifaceted approaches. You're engaging the colleges, you're engaging the literacy council, you're engaging uh, and, or building internal comtech model. Um, so there's all these options that address kind of the continuum of skills that you find in the plant. Uh, and uh, I, I tell you, Jeff, this is exactly what I was telling you at the top of the show, Um, a real amazing and uh, enlightened business partner and then an equally uh, enlightened uh, literacy council. Kevin, one more question. So given that diversity of language uh, on the floor and given the fact that you're talking about manufacturing, which is uh, inherently uh, a very safety, safety, safety focused uh, sector, uh, do you use like interpreters, uh, how do you like manage the communication that is just absolutely essential on the floor uh, there at Kawasaki? Uh,
3: it's it's been kind of a long strange trip. Yeah. Um, I I started here in 2010, and um, you know we we had a pretty diverse workforce at that okay. time, and I you know I said let's let's do something. You know, let's let's start a, a an English language learner program, right. and you know the argument was always, well, you know, all of the safety material is in English, you know, safety data sheets, all right. that are in English, so you know people just have to have a you know basic understanding of English to to work here. Right. Well, uh, a while a while back, uh, we have sister plants in Maryville and Boonville, Missouri and we build uh small gasoline engines we supply the industry uh, the the commercial mowing industry ah. and um the demand for our engines had had gone up and we hadn't opened Boonville yet and uh, so we had uh, we brought an engine line here and we were having trouble staffing it and our our staffing service said you know if you would let us bring in people who speak spanish we'd have that staffed for you tomorrow Wow. So, you know, the management made the decision, well, okay, we're going to bring these people in. We're going to get some bilingual team leaders and we're going to keep them right there, you know, in, in engines. Love it.
0: Yeah. Well,
3: These people have skills, they have talent, and we wanted to have their, their skill and experience in other areas. Uh, and then, you know, the, the. Problems in Ukraine started happening, and um, Afghanistan, and we started bringing these these people in, and you know the the demand for people is there, and we Hi. we said, okay, we we've got to make a commitment, and uh, Brian and I worked together to get the ELL program started, um, but now we have been translating all of our, uh, our all of our crucial information into. Several different languages. We have a gentleman in our office from uh, Afghanistan, and he does all the the Pashtu and Dari uh, translation. Uh, we have people here that help us with Spanish translation. Uh, one of our general foremen uh, is is from Ukraine, and he helped us uh, translate everything into Ukrainian. Uh, so and in, in it's still a work in progress all of our training it's it's sometimes difficult for us to find safety data sheets and and that kind sure. of information in different languages yeah. um, so you know it, there's a there's a balance there you know teaching people English but also providing resources in in their language uh, so they can they can understand and you know, work safely and and go home in the same condition that they came to work oh i just
1: love this story you know the employers all across the country should really be thinking about these models because that is the future workforce in so many communities uh you can't staff fully if you're not looking at uh, other populations maybe they don't speak english i saw this i'm in san antonio here of course this has been happening in texas for decades um, where i saw businesses start to say, you know, we're going to keep doing ESL, but we have got to start switching over and doing our lean training in Spanish and things like that 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Um, so uh, it is definitely something where uh, that expertise that you're getting from Lincoln Literacy comes in real handy uh, and uh, building your own uh, kind of capacity is just essential there. Jeff, uh, ch- chime in here. Like, tell me what you're hearing here.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing so much. So first of all, I want to go, I want to go to Kevin and then, and, uh, and then Brian real quick, but Kevin, you know, employers are listening to this and saying, you know what, this is way too much work, you know, and what's my return on investment for this? Why am I going to, should I really invest on this? And yet we know in the country right now, there are more jobs out there than there are people to fill them. And there's such a demand in our labor market. And the bottom line is there's so much talent out there for people that don't necessarily speak the English language. How hard was it for Kawasaki to make this pivot? And you obviously have been doing it well, you've been doing it for a while and you got the right partners there. Um, was there a pain point there or, or did this just come flow naturally when you figured it all out?
3: Yeah. Um, like I said before, it was, it was kind of a struggle until that opportunity presented itself. Um, but it. It really has not been difficult at all. Uh, our partnership with Lincoln Literacy has has been uh, has been tremendous. Um, you know, we work together on on the on the curricula, um, and you know, I'm I'm there for almost every class. Yeah, which is uh, huge. We, we offer the classes awesome. on Saturday. Our our people are paid to go to class. But after every class, the, the instructors from Lincoln Literacy and I sit down and say, okay, how do we make this better? Yeah. You know, what, what are people needing? You know, we, we look at the individuals and they, we say, you know, this person is, is really advancing at a rapid rate. We need to give them more. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's just been a great, great relationship. Um, some of the return on investment. Uh, my manager is starting to crunch some of the the numbers, and we're seeing a higher retention rate mm-hmm. in the people that are a, a product of our ELL program than you know our our overall retention wow. rate. Yeah. Um. It, personally, uh, it's it's. Fun for me to see the the intercultural relationships start to form. Um, you know, we have we have people that are are friends who have come from completely different parts of the world. Um, in one of our first classes, we had a uh, a Ukrainian woman uh, who was in the class, and uh, she had been in the United States for a while. But while she was in that class. Uh, was when russia invaded ukraine and oh. she had family that hmm. uh, still has family in ukraine and was very concerned because she could not contact them right and the the people in that class rallied around her uh, during that time and there's some very solid friendships you know <laughs> you know they they would walk out uh, sure. Hand in hand. And, you know, you know, you see, you know, a Latina woman and uh, a woman mm-hmm. from uh, from Sudan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, and it's it, it's really kind of cool for me to see yeah. this. A lot of times for the last day of the, um, you know, of the of the of the course, uh, we have a little graduation ceremony and a party and people bring in, uh, you know, food from. You know their family recipes and things. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's just it's just amazing. There's there's a a Burmese woman uh, who who makes egg rolls, mm-hmm. and you know she'll show up at my office here every once in a while and say, "Yeah, has wow. <laughs> a of of egg rolls." Um,
1: okay, we're recording around dinner time here, so we've got to yeah. calm this conversation <laughs> down. But I I'll I, I tell you what, I'm going to come over uh, to the last question here for Brian, but. Uh, I mean, I'm just my I just just love this aspect. And when you think about your retention, well, uh, you're building these kind of support networks, intercultural to support networks. um, And then these populations that have sometimes fled war, fled refugee, you know, been in refugee camps come to the middle of America, to Nebraska, and probably think, I'm going to be alone here. I need support. Right. And yeah. and they're building this over there with Brian and, and over there with Kawasaki. So, Brian, for the last question before the lightning round here, um, tell our listeners out there, especially our, our adult education and literacy communities, what are the benefits? I mean, they're very obvious to me here, but I would like to hear from you. The benefits of engaging businesses for Lincoln
2: Literacy. Sure. I mean, I'm a big believer in private-public partnerships. And when I think about the future of Lincoln Literacy, we have about a $1.4 million budget. We have 150 amazing volunteer tutors. Uh, We're a volunteer-led organization. Uh, So we serve over 1,300 students with about 35 staff members, uh, many of whom are part-time. Uh, And so when I think about the financial future of Lincoln Literacy, what we've really built is another leg for our stool of funding. Mm. So uh, one call to action, I would say, for anyone listening to this, is to access your American Job Center. Uh, The American Job Center is funded by the Workforce Investment Opportunities Act, also known as WIOA. And we're able to partner with Kawasaki with grant funding. So uh, Mm. the grant covers kawasaki's pay to their workers and then uh kawasaki in turn pays a link literacy uh we now teach at nine different businesses it'll be 11 by this winter uh Great. and that's from two uh about a year and a half ago wow that's so awesome it's 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 a super sustainable source of funding for us yeah. if we're just, yeah. just thinking about budgets i'm not even thinking about the benefits of doing it yeah uh, yeah yeah it's it's, a, it's it's a steady source of income for us because the diversity isn't going away and we're receiving more refugees every day, uh, so it's a really great opportunity, I think, for any nonprofit to partner with a business, knowing that folks need to learn English and there's probably more folks coming. Oh man,
1: I, I love this! And and I, 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 I one thing to, for clarification for our business partners, tell us about the three-legged stool that you've made a four-legged stool. What sure. is, what does that sure. mean? Yeah. Uh, because it, it's good for our business partners to kind of know. How are these organizations funded?
2: Like, just, what makes them tick? Yeah. Ones. Yeah. So uh, um, so Lincoln Literacy uh, is really a, a well-run place. And I've only been here a year. So the, the previous director did a wonderful job. So yeah. basically, uh, we have about a third of our funding comes from our state government to teach English to refugees. So that's part yeah. of the funding that's federal pass-through to uh, sure. the state. Uh, we have a great relationship with Department of Health and Human Services. Um, a second, uh, about 30% is individual contributions, just from generous members of our community. Mm. And then about 25% uh, is through um, uh, foundations. Yeah. And uh, this coming year in 2024, um, workplace partnerships will be, it'll actually bump some of those other numbers down. It'll be close to 16% of our wow. budget, uh, which is amazing. It's sustainable. Mm. It can grow. Um, our staff members uh, teach these classes as opposed to volunteers because it's, it's a heavier load. Uh, yeah. They love teaching them. Like they're, they're, sure. they're building relationships. They get to hang out with Kevin and, and, and build the class to be better. Um, and so we've also seen, um, oh, and I should say that some businesses uh, pay us just, just straight through like a vendor. Others yeah. can go through um, the workforce grant. So that's an option. Uh, some people don't want to do that. Um, and also, Kevin, uh, one thing that uh, maybe you could speak about uh, in, in a moment is um, the promotions that we've seen. So people who have gone through our class and been promoted. Um, another cool thing that I would highlight just briefly that we introduced at Kawasaki as kind of a continuous improvement. Is we realized that many of the students were coming in with zero English. Yeah. Many of the students were coming in with some intermediate level English and there wasn't a perfect match of level. So what we did yeah. is we, we bifurcated, we made two classes. So now we have what we call the foundations class, and then we have a next level class. And mm. I think what that did, and Kevin can speak to this, is it really increased the learning. Because if you mix yeah. higher level speakers, they're going to dominate, and general, the, 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 Yeah, the, yeah the, the lower level people are going to be intimidated. Uh, they're not going to talk. But you put a bunch of beginners together, and you can watch the magic happen. They oh, just- yeah. English is their shared language. It's a Burmese person sitting next to an Iraqi person sitting next to a Sudanese person sitting next to a person from the Ukraine. They don't have oh, anything to Yeah, <laughs> That's right. That's doesn't right. matter. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's really, really cool to watch the language happen because it happens fast when they're beginning. Sure
0: absolutely yeah brian before we go to lightning too i i just curious too because you were you guys have talked a lot about the job and we uh, anson and i think about the career and you both were really intentional about knowing and about stating that it wasn't just about the that entry-level job but it was about giving people a a pathway that builds up and and that's just remarkable that's something that should be modeled at every employer and every program across the country
1: absolutely absolutely well uh this uh delivered more than I could have promised here in terms of like (laughs) blockbuster content, best practices, strong partnerships and uh, I just see return on investments coming from all over the place for both organizations here. So I, I, I'm sure our listeners are going to be listening to this one and taking lots of notes. We're going to take a quick break here and come back for our lightning round where we're going to charge Brian and Kevin to charge our audience with one thing they can go do after listening to this podcast. Jeff, take uh, it away.
0: Behind the player, We'll be right back. You've been listening to Behind Every Employer with Anson Green and Jeffrey Abramowitz. It's one thing to talk the talk, but in the lightning round, which is coming up, we walk the walk with action steps. You can listen to Behind Every Employer podcast on YouTube, Spotify, or find us on your favorite podcast. All
1: right, here, I'm going to go to Brian first on the lightning round. Charge our listeners with one thing they can do based on this
2: discussion. Absolutely. So the, the first thing that I would say, uh, as we talked a little bit about this earlier, is look into your local American job center. Every mm-hmm. community in America is yeah. covered by uh, an American job center, whether it's in their town or if you're in a rural community in, the, in, a, in, a, in a town nearby. There is funding available through what's called the incumbent worker program, which is what Lincoln Literacy and Kawasaki utilized for our partnership. And traditionally, those monies are underspent. Uh, I am on the workforce development board. And for many years, we struggled to spend those dollars. And now with the growing partnerships with Lincoln Literacy, for the first time ever, we actually spent it all. Uh, And so that that money is there. It's federally designated. It's not. at the whim of budget cuts very easily. So it's a very sustainable source of of income, uh, not income, uh, funding for programs.
1: I Uh, love that call. Yes. Uh, I I would say too, I would say too, you know, from the workforce development side, I know that program well, uh, it's often not used for the types of services you're doing, you know, populations. And so, State leaders and local leaders need to be listening in because they sometimes think uh for eligibility reasons or for outcome reasons that lower skilled or non-English speakers are not a good population or not one that their rules allow. Um,
2: oh, man, so absolutely. yeah, I mean <laughs> I,
1: I love that. You were gonna say one more thing, Brian, before well, I jumped uh, in one, there. One
2: one other thing that that uh Kawasaki uh and our Lincoln Chamber of Commerce uh helped create our Partnership for Economic Development is an entry level class for manufacturing. And what it is, it's a six week class. Once a week for six weeks, we provide a meal, um, childcare, a $250 stipend to take the class because we value your time. Um, And people take that class and they learn all about the basics of measurement. Uh, They learn about the basics of safety. And then two employers visit each of the six classes. At the end, there's a career fair. We've had dozens of people placed into, Uh, manufacturing jobs that are in demand in our community um, through this effort. Uh, It's called the Lincoln Manufacturing Council. Uh, It's been very successful and I would just, I would put that out as a call to action that we put that together. I'm I'm sure that's something that we could share. Um, And we have had a lot of success with it to get people into these jobs. We have 14,000 open jobs in our community. We have less than 2000 people in unemployment. We have to maximize the talent. We have to maximize the talent of our population if we want to keep growing, uh, which we do.
1: Boy, Brian, you're going to recruit me as a, uh, as a volunteer up there pretty soon here. So, I Kevin, I'm, I, want to, I want to come over to you and get and let, uh, let us hear, tell our listeners uh, what your call to action is.
3: I think just give people, you uh, know, present them with pathways where they can improve themselves and improve their, uh, their position. Uh, you're really going to find that once you give these people a voice, they will do amazing things. And, uh, you know, Brian was talking earlier about uh, the, you know, the the success of the ELL program. Um, We have now 10 people that are team leaders that are a product of the uh, ELL program. We have three people who are quality control inspectors wow. that are a product of ELL. One of those is uh, he. He had an opportunity. He was. We were looking at to to send him to the community college to become a maintenance technician. Mm-hmm. However, he doesn't have a GED, mm-hmm. so that's our next focus. Uh, yeah coming up with some way to provide uh, GED preparation classes for, for people here. So, they, you know, that isn't a, a, a barrier in, yeah. you know, in way of their advancement.
1: Oh, fantastic. Uh, I'm sure Brian's listening in on that one. Um, oh, uh, Jeff, on? let's go to you and then I'll close yeah. tonight
0: the show yep. out. So mine's a really easy one. And that's that, you know, these kind of marriages are what's going to, what's going to make our country really strong when it comes to workforce development and using uh, the talent that's already here. We have um, people all across the country that are, um, that are coming in from other places around the world that have talent. And, you know, we're, we're, we keep complaining about the demand in the labor force, but the the, the people are there, we just have to be you know, really intentional about giving them the the resources um, okay. to, to get into some of these employment opportunities. And Kawasaki and um, Lincoln Literacy are obviously doing it right. And I would encourage everyone out there, if you want any more information, you need to reach out to Lincoln Literacy. And I'm sure Kevin also will make himself available to kind of share about the model that's happening. But every if you're a big company out there or a small company and you're looking for talent, um, there is a pool out there. You just need to go get them.
1: Oh, fantastic. I totally agree. Uh, here's my call to action. Um, it goes back to something that we talked about earlier, and it has to do with interpreters and translators. Um Businesses are putting a constraint on their growth. They're putting a constraint on their staffing by not finding ways to accommodate languages and still maintain a safe and welcoming environment. And I know companies, uh, Kawasaki, Tyson Foods has a center of excellence for their top 10 languages. Uh, Other companies are doing this and um, it is something to definitely legitimize and to build structure around. um, So you can really start to open up your doors to other languages, but do so in a way that uh, people feel like it's going to be safe environment that uh, I mean, risk is always uh, one of the biggest worries with other, other languages. Um, so I, I just love those models uh, and I love to hear what Kawasaki's doing. doing. Um, and that's my call to action. Uh, it's just been a great show. Uh, I want to thank our guest uh, for coming on. We will probably bring you guys back sometime, or maybe Brian, will bring you back with another employer because it sounds like you got a plateful of them there <laughs> uh, for the next wow. for the next year. Um, I want to leave everybody and remind everybody that there's this free publication I just put together. Uh, called Beyond the First Meeting, a guide for beginning and cultivating a thriving workplace education program, just like the one we heard tonight. You can find it at behindeveryemployer.org. And uh, I just want to thank our guests again. Jeff, take us out.
0: You got it. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to Behind Every Employer with Anson Green and Jeffrey Abramowitz. If you like the show, please follow us and tell your friends and colleagues. This broadcast has been brought to you by the Coalition on Adult Basic Education. You can find us at www.coape.org. You can listen to us on Spotify, YouTube, or on your favorite podcast site. If you'd like to be a guest on Behind Every Employer, please contact us at behindeveryemployer at coabe.org.